Welcome to Ottawa Valley Community Church, where we simply want to help you encounter Jesus, be transformed, and share His love. time, as I said, that I went many years petrified of water, and in 2007 in Grenada, I learned to swim. And you know what? Now, if you had to be with me in the Caribbean, you'll find me by myself, a half a kilometer, sometimes offshore, snorkeling and having the time of my life. And then I learned to be a diver. I learned to be an official diver. So I'm, you know, I go 50 below water. But if you told me like 25 years ago that was going to happen, I would say you are absolutely crazy. Well, this morning I want to share a topic with you and it's entitled Discipleship's Two-Fold Challenge, The Possible and the Impossible. All right, so I'm going to share a story with you in Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 to 5. I'm just going to use that much of that scripture because you know the story. Now, the gates of Jericho, what did I just do? I canceled myself out. Oh, my mouse don't even want to work right. My goodness, what am I doing, Ivan? This is... Am I froze? Give me a second, I'm going to... uh, I'm going to be giving you a short sermon and a testimony and it's going to come from the first sermon I ever preached in my life. I wasn't even a pastor. And I preached this sermon in my own own church. I was petrified. I preached this sermon and I'm going to share it with you. Uh, And there was a powerful thing happen uh, with that. And it's in line with what we've been talking a little bit about. Pastor Aaron did a great job last week in talking about the uh, uh, church and talking about discipleship. And we've been going down that road for a while. And I don't know, maybe you guys had been too. And we're going to work on this together. And so give me a moment here now. And I got to find my presentation because I just had to reboot. Wrong place. We've been talking about discipleship and actually this was, I'm going to start off with my first time being introduced actually to discipleship and uh, never saw in the context that I saw it before. And I'm going to give to you in the moment. Uh, I'm coming there. <clears throat> Devil tries his best sometimes because I get uptight when I start getting these things start happening, and it's just a distraction. Now I'm back on, and uh, I better make sure that I don't, don't press that middle button. All right, uh, here we go. Back on track. Now the gates of Jericho are tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. 
No one was allowed to go out or in. This is their first conquest going into the promised land. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its kings, and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Uh, seven priests will walk uh, ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one loud blast on the ram's horns, all, have all the people shout as loud as they can, then the walls of Jericho... Uh, uh, of, of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. So this is a sermon that I preach uh, way back in 1985 that I'm going to share with you. Uh, and so when Aaron preached last week, this was already in my spirit to share this with you today. But you know, it's nice when you get a confirmation. I said, wow, after what you talked about last week, and you're talking about discipleship, and I noticed some comments on, on your church's Facebook page that people are talking about, but I'm afraid of this, and I'm, a, I'm afraid of that. And you know, see, that's when we see the impossible. And so I want to take you there, but I'm going to give you a little bit of an history first on this sermon. Uh, 1985, I actually was when I went to Bible school. It was my first year of Bible college. And I remember being in the library doing some research for a topic, and uh, I came across something that had nothing to do with my topic, but I didn't see it before. And it was an article that someone had written on Ephesians 4, verse 11 to 12. And this is what it said. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Then he gives the reason he gave them. And the reason was this. This is what blew me away because I had never seen it before. I had never heard it preached in my hometown ever. I was raised in Pentecost. I was born in a Pentecostal personage. So I was around even nine months before I ever, you know, uh, or before I was born. And, uh, you know, I was, in, I, I was raised in Pentecostal circles where this should have been the norm, but it wasn't. He gave them for the, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. And I looked at that and said, how come I never heard that before? Because my mindset, our mindset was, we come to church and we get blessed and we go home and we wait all week to come back to church and we go to prayer meeting and we pray for people to get saved and we pray that they would come to church and if they come to church, that was the pastor's job, he was going to win them for the Lord. Whoa! I get to relax all the time. It's like being on a Caribbean holiday. You know, I just sit, lie back in the sand and enjoy my life. And then I read this for the equipping of the saints. That's another word we don't like, work. That's a four-letter word we don't like. And now I'm reading this and I'm saying to myself, we have to do evangelism. We have to disciple people doing the work of the ministry. So now let me take you back for a moment to um, 
The beginning of 1985 is when I preached my first sermon. We always started off the year with a week of prayer and, you know, study. You know, we have a message from the Lord. And then we would have a, a, you know, a time of prayer and praying for the year ahead of us that we would be effective, that we would see people being brought to Christ. And so in my church, the first Sunday, the last Sunday of 1984, our pastor was leaving and a new pastor was coming in for the first Sunday of 1985. I was one of the church board members. So the previous pastor said, you know, he's going to be pretty busy when he comes and, and have to prepare a Bible study for every single night is going to be tough. So I want you board members to actually take turns. So I was to do Thursday night. And the Lord gave me this message, and it was entitled, The Possible Versus the Impossible. So my sermon was based on the conquest of Jericho, and how we are responsible for the possible part, and how God was responsible for the impossible. Because we focus on both, and we say, I can't do that, Right? But God was showing me in Scripture, and we see it over and over with the children of Israel. Every time that God gave them a challenge, there was the possible, and there was this huge element of the impossible. So that's what the Lord laid on my heart. The possible was and always is God's responsibility. So look, we're going to look at the conquest of Jericho in light of the task before us. What God has proposed is outright foolishness. If our Canadian army, the general said, you know, that we're going to war, we're going to conquer this city, and this is how we're going to do it, we'd have quite an uprising in Canada, wouldn't we? We would say, well, what in the world have they got in leadership now? You see, 1 Corinthians 2 and 14 says, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, they are, say the word, say it. Are you asleep? Foolishness. Outright foolishness. That's what it says there to him. 1 Corinthians 1 and 25, the foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. And actually in First and Second Corinthians, Paul addresses, God's wisdom and God's ways as foolish to man. And so therefore, we don't see the value that's in them. Discipleship's twofold challenge, the possible and the impossible. There are so many challenges in life, and they all have a twofold context of possible versus impossible. Uh, and so I was looking for an example you know, how can I put this in a context we can understand this morning? And God dropped in my spirit this idea of water, you know, and our fear of water and whatever. So the thought that came to my mind is something I haven't tried yet. And if I can get enough bubble wrap, I will try. Because you know me, right? Uh, is uh, surfing. The idea of surfing, there, it, it has a twofold challenge. There's the possible and I like this. I could go, I could do this. How many of you can do this? Right? But they didn't tell me there's another side to it. There's the impossible, and this would freak me out. Right? 
So there's the possible and there is the impossible. So as I look at this, I'm looking at God's plan. The plan of conquering Jericho probably tops all the impossible challenges that God threw at Israel in their conquests. So Jericho, uh, the conquering and the plan. God's plan here was outright foolish. It really was. It didn't make absolutely any earthly sense. But yet they were obedient. God said to them, now the gates of Jericho was tightly shut up because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was able to go in and no one was able to get out. So, and on the outside, no one was able to get in. It was impossible. It was umpting feet wide. It was way up. It was a humongous wall. And this is their first conquest coming into Jericho. And the Lord says there, but the Lord said to Joshua, I've given you Jericho, its kings and all of its strong warriors. When God says it's yours, it's yours. I don't care how impossible it looks. When God says, you're going to conquer this, I've given it to you, we can trust him. Even if he comes up with the craziest plan on planet earth and tells us to do it, we know that we can conquer that. You and your fighting men are going to walk, march around town once a day for six days. Now, I want you to see this now. They're marching around Jericho day one. And, they, you know, and the people inside the city of Jericho is looking outside and they're saying, what in the world are they doing? They're going to march around our city and they think they're going to, you know, the walls are going to come down? This is crazy. Seven priests will walk ahead of the heart and carry a ram's horn. And on the seventh day, you are to march around the city or the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. After six days of watching this, now they see them march around, you know, uh, seven times. And they're blowing these, they're going to blow these ram's horns. And then it says, when you hear the priest give one loud blast on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can. That's it, folks. That's the battle plan. Okay? You no, know, no, we're not taking the cannons with us. We are not taking the tanks. We're not taking the explosives. This is how we're going to do it. Then, all the, then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into, into town. Now, I could see it if we said that, all right? We're looking at the possible versus the impossible. And if Pastor Aaron and I had come up with a plan like this to, to, you know, to, to uh, win the battle that we are, find ourselves in, you will be saying, uh, I think it's time to call a congregational meeting, and I think we should bring the leadership before us, and we're, we are going to have a good talk to them. And we are going to you know, find out what's wrong with them. That's what we would say. One thing we must recognize is God's plan is there is, there is always a possible and an impossible. You think of... Uh, Gideon, the battle that Gideon had, 
And he had thousands of soldiers that got reduced to 100. And there were, I think it was 100,000. I really think there was 300,000 against them. He will always increase the odds. He will make the impossible look so impossible that you know that you can't do it yourself. I want you to think about that, as in a moment I'm going to relate this to uh, discipleship and evangelism. That's what I did that day. For Israel here, marching around the city is the possible. Even if it doesn't make sense, it's something that they can do. It's not a problem. It's kind of dumb. It's kind of, you know, crazy. But okay, so he said, do, we, will do, we can do that. But we certainly can't bring the walls down. The impossible is that the city walls will naturally crumble. As soon as they start shouting, they will come down. That's God's part. That's the impossible. <clears throat> In Genesis 18, God told Abram, his wife, Sarah, in her whole age, I think she was somewhere around 90 or something like that, uh, that she was going to have a son. And what did Sarah do when Abram told her? What did she do? She what? She laughed. It wasn't just a, <laughs> it wasn't that. <laughs> it was a laugh. Are you nuts? Are you crazy? She laughed out loud. And listen to what God said about her laughing. Genesis 18 and verse 14. Is anything? Oh, where am I to? I might have missed that. Is anything, anyway, is anything too hard for God? Oh, I got it right here now. Now that I've got it gone. Oh yeah, I okay. I'm I'm yeah. Wait, give me give me a sec now, Lord. Help me to stay focused. Is anything too hard for God? And uh, here I got in my, in my notes. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Oh yeah, I will return about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Uh, I think this is another translation. I'm not sure the, the foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans, but I think I missed this up, and I'm going to go ahead and get on track. Okay, yeah, Luke 1 and 37, I missed that one up. Luke 1 and 37, oh yeah. In the context of the birth of Christ, we have the declaration of another old lady that's going to have a baby. It's going to be John the Baptist when the baby is born, and her name is Elizabeth, and this is what Jesus said about it. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Anybody here in their 80s? Anybody here this morning in their 80s? You don't want to admit it, right? Oh yeah, we have, we have this lady down here. Can you imagine, you know, that as a pastor, I say to you, God told me that you're going to have a baby? You will probably say, oh my goodness, that guy has certainly lost it, Right? You know, he's out to lunch, and so you, you can see these variables taking place. 
But he, and then in verse 20, Luke 18 and 27, but he said the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. So there's the impossible, there is the possible. Uh, we are not responsible for the impossible. I have this saying that it's not my problem. If I will do my part, if I will do the possible, now I can walk away because it's God's problem. And God can do absolutely anything. Uh, Luke 18 and 27, in the Passion Translation, I love it. Jesus responded, what appears humanly impossible is more than possible with God, for God can do what man cannot. So when God presents us with an opportunity either to believe for a miracle or an opportunity, uh, you know, that you and I can believe that we can actually do what's commanded in Scripture and actually go and make disciples, you and I need to trust Him. We can walk in confidence and do the possible that God has asked us to do. And that's what Israel did and the result was, it says there in verse 20 of Joshua, when the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could, the possible, suddenly, I love that. Wow, you know, they must have been floored when they saw this happen. Suddenly, the walls of Jericho collapsed. That's the impossible. That's God's part. And the Israelites charged straight through into town and captured it. I call the possible a step of faith. So I'm looking at discipleship, twofold challenge. The possible, the possible versus the impossible. So in 1985, God gave me that sermon. And there was more to it than that. I was a little longer than that. Uh, and uh, it, you know, this is what God said to me when he gave me the sermon. All right? So it was... Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of prayer. I'm on Thursday. It was Monday night. God said to me, I want you to prove that before you preach it. Now, if he didn't say that, it would be great. And I goes, what? <laughs> it's easy to preach at somebody else, but, you know, to do it yourself? I said, What? But it got worse, much worse than that. I'll never, never forget it. He gave me a specific person by name to win for Christ that was impossible. I'm not kidding. This, the, you know, I had never, I'm, I wasn't a pastor. I had never preached before. And he gave me this sermon about the possible versus the impossible. And he said, I want you to prove it by bringing this person to Christ before you preach it. And this. Monday and Thursday is coming. And it was one of the hardest people you could ever witness to. And I, I had never communicated about the gospel to this individual. I knew them really well because I lived in the same yard. It was my father-in-law. And my wife's mother 
25 year, years before that, became a Christian and was following Christ for 25 years. She prayed for my father-in-law for 25 years. She could never get him come close to accepting Christ. So God said, you see, him coming to me is the impossible, but there's a part that you have to play. You have to do the possible. So I want you to go into his house before Thursday, and I want you to talk to him. And you do the possible. I was scared to death. I didn't tell my wife anything about it. So that's Monday night. Uh, uh, during the day on, on Monday, I went to church on Tuesday night, and I prayed like I never prayed before. I was scared. I'm not kidding. And I, I, I don't know how to do this. We didn't have that relationship, you know, as a father and, and a son-in-law like me and Eric has got, right? You know, we didn't have that. We didn't talk about a whole lot. And he was a very quiet person. And, and I left from the prayer meeting on Tuesday night. I walked home and I had intentions of going in and speaking to him. When I got close to home, I lost my courage and I went in the house and Eventually went to bed. So now this is Tuesday. I only got one more shot. It's Wednesday. I go to prayer meeting. I am scared to death again. I'm praying like I had never prayed before. And at the end of the prayer meeting, I was the last one to leave the altar. And I was sitting there and I was broken because I don't know. I, I'm afraid to do this. And the pastor came and sat by me and he started to pray with me. And I sat up and I was happening and he said to me I have a believer he said you just go and do it sure enough again I didn't have a vehicle so I walked home it was about a 45 minute walk I'm walking home I'm, uh, my heart is heavy as I'm walking home oh, what do I say what am I going to you know on and on and what if he don't listen to me and, and all of this stuff I'm walking home I get about maybe about 300 feet from his house and I see my wife's Uncle Max's truck there. So I know he got company and I can't go in. Whew. It was such a relief. I'm not kidding, you know. And, and so, uh, but then I walk 100 feet and I see her Uncle Max come out and get in the truck and go home. Oh my goodness. I still, Lord, I, don't, I was really scared of this. And so anyway, so I walked up the driveway and I went into his basement and listened. I was hoping there were voices up there. Because if there were voices, I can't do this, right? I'm not kidding. And, and it was silent. So I left. I went up. Or I said, Lord, you've got to give me the courage. Give me the words to say. And I walked up. I walked into his door. And I went in and I sat down with him. And I looked at him. I said, uh, Earl, have you ever thought of giving your heart to Christ? Yeah, I have, but, you know. I mean, like, he would go to church probably like five times a year, and he'd weep while he was there for 25 years, but he would never make a move. And I said, you know, now, God's timing is everything. His wife, Dorothy's mom, was in the hospital. She was going in for cancer surgery the next morning. And I said, well, this is your, you know, or, and, and, and I don't know all that I said, Very stern. 
And I said, well, you know, the best thing you could ever give your wife when she comes out of surgery tomorrow morning is let her hear the, hear the words, honey, I'm serving God with you. I asked him, could I pray with him? And I prayed with him. And I left, and as I was going out, I said to her, you know, any time through the night, if you feel that you want to give your heart to Christ, don't hesitate to come over and knock on our door, and we will be glad to pray with you and lead you to Christ. Okay. And I walked out. But you know what? When I walked out, there was a weight went off of me. Because I knew in my spirit I had done my part. I wasn't really majorly disappointed. I thought I would be, but he said no. And God said, prove this before you preach it. So I went across the yard and I came into our house and my wife was washing dishes in the sink and I said to Dorothy, I said, you know, I told her what I had just done and she said, you know, that's amazing because I was here washing dishes and I was looking at the window and I was praying for dad that this would be the thing that would bring him to Calvary. And so anyway, we, it was time to go to bed. So I went in to use the washroom and I, I, and I came out and I went and I locked the door and I left to go into the bedroom and a knock came on the door. And Dorothy went and answered the door and in came my father-in-law. And he looked like he was really broken and he came in and he kind of fell against the cupboard, you know. And he was there like he was trying to get the strength to hold himself up. And I looked him in the face and said, Earl, do you want to give your heart to Christ? He said, yes, I do. And when both of us sat down by the couch or knelt down by the couch, the three of us, Dorothy on one side, me on the other side, and I had the opportunity to lead my father-in-law to Christ. And I said to myself afterwards, Lord, you know exactly what you're doing. You know your timing, and it is excellent. You know, when God is in something, we can do it. And we led him to Christ. And I went back to church on Thursday night. And uh, I, I never had what I had, even any time in ministry, such zeal at that moment, knowing that, yes, God said, this is the impossible, and this is the possible. If you do the possible and you leave the rest to me, I can do the impossible. And I did it that night. I proved it. God said, prove it, that I will do it. And you know what? That Sunday night, my Uncle Max, who lived next door to uh, uh, Dorothy's dad knows a different Uncle Max. This is Uncle Max lived next door who came to church for 25 years and whipped and whipped and went home and would never get saved. And that Sunday night, he came to church and he rushed to the altar and gave his heart to Christ. If we would do the possible, we're worried about the impossible. That's God's part. I was worried about what he might say. You know, and on and on. Don't worry about these things. If God is in it, it will come together. Now I want to tell you that sermon was one of the easiest I ever preached. I have a saying, and I've said this many times, God never, I want you to hear this, God never called us to be successful. God, that sounds strange to say, God never called us to be successful. He called us to be faithful. Success depends on Him. Amen? I want you to get that. You see, you do it and leave the rest to God. The success comes because 
of him. He brings us success. John 6 and 44 says, The only way people come to me is by the Father who sent me. He pulls on their art strings. I'm sorry, I'm in the second one. Uh, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. No one comes unless the Father draws him. I don't care how much charisma I got or don't have. I don't care how talented I might be or not be. It's got nothing to do with it. It's the Father. We call it the conviction of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is tugging and the Holy Spirit was tugging on his art strings, it, the time was ripe. And then in the, I was reading the wrong one, the Passion Translation says, The only way people come to me is by the Father who sent me. He pulls on their hearts to embrace me. And those who are drawn to me, I will certainly raise them up in the last day. The word for draws is the Greek word helo, which means to draw by inward power. My father-in-law came to Christ not because of me. Not because of my talent, not because of the, you know, oh, I was so full of wisdom that night and the powerful words that came from me. No, I was weak. I was trembling. I, I, I was stuck sometimes, didn't know what to say. It was just basic. I'm telling you, it was basic. But God was already tugging on the heartstrings. As I saw, said, we call it conviction of the Holy Spirit. In our journey together this fall, we're going to take a look at discipleship. We're going to be looking at the church and what the church really is all about. We're going to be looking at our responsibilities, and we all have them. Do you know that Pastor Aaron and I are called to minister? But did you know that you are all called to minister? That's the part that scares us. That's what I learned that day in Bible school is I have a part to play and I had actually experienced it just prior to going to Bible college. We all have a calling, every single one of you. Now the key is this, and I'm trusting over the, this fall. I'm not saying that you're, you, know, you don't know this. I'm not saying that, but that we would learn to hear the voice of God. And when God speaks like he did to me that night and says, I want you to witness to a certain person, you can be guaranteed if God is leading you, he's already working on them. Don't be afraid of discipleship. Don't be afraid of evangelism. Discipleship's two-fold challenge. As our worship team comes back this morning, there's the possible there's the impossible. My God is the God of the impossible. I am only a person of the possible. I can never do the impossible. You leave that to God. Father, I thank you for the opportunity of knowing you. For the opportunity of serving you. And every one of us that are here this morning that know Jesus, we all can go back in our minds and we can remember when you started working on us and we were ripe to be witnessed to. And how conviction had already started in our hearts and we bowed our knee before you.
I realize this morning, Lord, that sometimes we're afraid of what you called us to do. But you said that you would equip everybody that you called. And I pray that they would have the courage, that we would have the courage, that I would have the courage, that Pastor Aaron would have the courage, that our leadership would, teams would have the courage, that every person that would come inside this door that knows you would have the courage to obey your voice and go and make disciples. Equip us. Fill us with your Spirit. Give us the power of the Holy Spirit to discern. Give us the power of the Holy Spirit to give us as you did with Peter on the day of Pentecost who went from being a wimp to a person who was so full of the Spirit that he wasn't afraid. I pray that that will happen in our churches as we come together. And this will be a season of a great harvest. That's my desire, Lord. That's my prayer. There is a lot of impossible in front of us. But there is a God with us who can take care of the impossible. Help us to be people of faith, willing to make the move and be the vessel that you can use in your name for your glory. Amen. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of Ottawa Valley Community Church, visit ovchurch.ca.